pray. Father, have your way today before lunch in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. You know that's about as long as he prayed to get Lazarus out from the grave, yeah? We're cool with that? All right. Just making sure, because I know sometimes we like long prayers, and then even grace. Sometimes food goes cold. There's nothing worse than a grace where the food is sitting there and you can see the steam actually falling backwards, you know, because it's going cold. You ever had, ever had one of those people? I, I lived in Sydney for a year and um, uh, a gentleman that, that actually ended up marrying us, but his father-in-law, love, lovely Baptist guy, Peter's actually a, a great guy, but whenever he'd, he'd say grace, he'd, he would always start and say, oh, Father, we thank you for your provision before us. And you just knew you were in for a sermon. You know, like, it's like, oh, no, why did we choose him again? Why didn't one of the kids say yes, you know? But anyway, they were the days. Have you ever had God point out a, a passage of scripture and it just sits with you, it won't go away? It's just there. You've read it. You're not sure if it makes sense. Um, you've probably read it before, but it just seems to be there. When you're half forgotten about it, it pops into your mind again. You might pick up the Bible to read something else, but you, th- you have a thought and it takes you back to that other passage of Scripture. I- I've had one of those moments, to be honest, where I've just felt like God has just highlighted a, a particular Scripture and I-, I couldn't work out for what reason and it wouldn't leave me. You know, even while Peter was speaking, you know, that this, this, this Scripture was still popping around in my head. It was just, it was just there. He was actually, he was quite relentless. It felt like it was every second thought, you know. Oh, it's time to eat, that scripture. Is the food ready? That scripture. Nathan, don't do that, that scripture. It was just there all the time, you know. So I'm going to do my best to share that with you because seeing that he captured my thoughts, I figured that maybe we can try to capture each other's with what he was trying to say. Now, the scripture itself that we'll have a look at talks about love. It talks about God, God's love and God, God as love. But it, for me, it actually unpacks it a little bit in the sense that it's, well, what is God's love? Like, what is it? Um, how do you use it? How does he use it? You know, what does it do? <laughs> like, what does love do? It's a really nice word. I love you. That's great. What does love do? So anyway, without any further ado, if you've got your Bibles or your smartphones, tablets, or on the screen, Jeremiah 31.3. Jeremiah 31.3. And it reads, Long ago the Lord said to Israel, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love. With an unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself. I love it. Long ago the Lord said to Israel, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love. With unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself. I have loved you. Everlasting love. And I've drawn you. Now, I reckon I, I sat with this and, and was trying to work out why God was trying to show me or why he kept bringing me back to this particular passage of Scripture. And I actually think it's really simple. He wanted to show me something. He wanted to show me one main thing, but two things in it. And that was, firstly, he draws us. He draws us. Not with a pencil and a paper and a pen. He draws us. Yeah? You know, if I could dance, I would do that. You know, it's, you know... Come on, Lyndon. No? Okay, we tried. Anyway, um, he draws us. And then it says that he draws us using his love. Because he says, with unfailing love, I have drawn you. 
So I, I, I want to suggest that love, love is the tool that God uses to draw us. In the same way, let, let's break it down. This is as simple as it, as it got while I was just you know, thinking about this and sitting with it with the Lord. In the same way that I use my car to take myself to the coffee shop. Or if I had to pick up Trev and we we're going out for dinner, I would use my car as the tool to complete a task. If I was for some reason plastering a wall, which I generally won't do because I can't, to put it on the wall, the plaster on the wall, I may actually use a hammer as a tool to nail that sucker there. Yeah, is that a, fair enough? If I needed to dig a garden, I would use a shovel. Yeah, it's a tool. It's a tool. I would go into my tool shed, which is really cool. I have about five tools, so it's really easy to find what I've got, you know. But it's a tool. So God was just wanting to show me that, hey, love is the tool that I use to draw you. Love is the tool that's in his toolbox. So when he looks at humanity, his creation, he opens up his toolbox and says, what do I have to do to bring them here? Oh, I'll grab love. And he uses love. Is that okay? Because it's really important that we, we capture how God works. Okay? Now, from the very beginning of time, really, but from the beginning, his plan was to draw us to himself. It was always to bring us home. So it says in John 12, 32, and I just want to join some dots if I can along the way. So John 12, 32 says, And I, when I'm lifted up from the earth, obviously talking about, you know, Jesus, yeah? So when I'm lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. Is that fair? We know the scripture. It's really clear. From the moment that I'm going home to the Father, from that time, I'm going to draw people to myself. So... From the very beginning, it was Daddy's desire to draw all people to himself. And now this is where we've got to get our theology right. See, I love the fact that Ros talked about the cross. See, what often happens, and I love the way that she portrayed it, because the cross was that place of exchange, that point of exchange. Often people get stuck here. Yeah. Now, it's true that Jesus died for our sins. That's true. It's true that he died and saved us from an eternity without him, in hell if you like, yeah? But that wasn't his focus. That's, that's not why he came. He didn't come to save you. He didn't come to save you. See, his main focus was to draw you back to family. Yeah? You understand? There's, there's a, very, there's a smeary, very fine line that, that we walk, but it changes how we see things and it changes our theology. He didn't come to save you from hell. He came to bring you back into right relationship with him. Yeah? And in doing that, one of the consequences was he dealt with our issue of sin. Yeah? In bringing you back into the family to have a relationship with you, you now no longer spend an eternity without him. He didn't come for that. He came for this. And because of this, he fixed that. Yeah? Are we good so far? 
All right, so his main focus was to draw us to himself. Now, sin was not and never will be the focus. Loving us and having a relationship with us is always the focus. For those that spent time with Peter, you would have heard that in his words when he was just sharing how God loves and how he wants us to love and how we need to come to that, I guess, revelation and understanding where it sinks from a a theology in our mind into truth and reality in our hearts where we see and experience and encounter God's love for us and then we start to see see ourselves the way that he sees us. His main focus, God our Father, our Daddy, his main focus was to get us into right relationship. That theology we need to get right, yeah? We have to get that theology right. And now he uses love as a tool to draw us to himself. So this is where it gets really cool, I reckon. Because love's the tool that Papa uses to draw us. It's his plan from the beginning to use love, yeah? Now, his word, people will tell you that in all sorts of things, that there's you know, stuff in here that doesn't line up. But his word is so sublime. Like, he really is a master author. He knows what he's doing. He knew what he was doing from the very beginning. Like, from the front of the book, Genesis all the way through to maps, he, he, he just knows how to write a book. He just does. It's perfectly written. He knows the start. He knows the end. See, in 1 John 4, 8 and 9... We just had a look at Jeremiah. So we're talking Old Testament. We're talking before Jesus. We're talking before all of that, but his plan was his plan from the very beginning. Yeah? And so we get to here in 1 John 4, and verse 8 says, Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. Now, we just read earlier that he uses his unfailing love to draw us. God's love. There must be a typo. He's using love to draw us, but he is love. Well, we'll keep reading through the typo. Verse 9. This is how God showed his love amongst us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. So now we start to get really confusing, but it's not confusing at all, in the sense that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all of them are three in one. Remember the song? Yeah, do you believe in amen? Yeah, yeah, we don't, no, don't sing, Andrew. Okay. So the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they're all one. They're all God. It's the Godhead. It's the Trinity. Yeah. And we read that God is love. And then he sends his son. Yeah. And he uses love to draw us. So he's going to use Jesus to draw us. So his plan was to use love to bring us home from the beginning. Because he wants us as family. He doesn't want us isolated or, or as individuals. And so he sends Jesus. Jesus is God. God is love. And so he uses love to draw us back to himself. Because that's how we got here. That's how we got to that place of exchange. Because it was Jesus that was nailed on it, correct? So this is why love's so great. 1 Corinthians 3.13 says, Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is the Western Bulldogs. It doesn't say that, does it? It doesn't even say the greatest of these is a quarter pounder with Big Mac sauce. It doesn't say that. It, 
it doesn't even say the greatest of these is coffee. It says the greatest of these is love. So out of faith, hope and love, love's the greatest. So what makes love the greatest? Because he tells us back in Jeremiah that he uses love to draw men and women to himself. See, faith doesn't draw men and women to himself. Hope doesn't draw men and women to himself. But love is like a magnet that draws men and women to himself. That's why it's the greatest. See, if I tried to share my faith with people, they still won't believe. Like, you've ever shared your faith and people haven't believed? You know, they've gone away and they go, that's nice. That's for you. I'm glad that does it for you. Yeah, most people I know that go to church, it's because they're broken and need a crutch. Give me five more minutes with you, you'll need a crutch too. (laughs) You're trying to share your faith and they just say, I can't see God. Where is he? I see how you, you know, you talk about your experience, but I don't. So I could try to share my hope with them. And, and we know that our hope is not the world's hope where we, we hope, you know, in anticipation, possibly, maybe, wishy-washy hope. It's not like that. We know that, that our hope is secure. Our hope is Jesus, yeah? I mean, we even sing the song that says, our hope is built on nothing less but Jesus' blood and righteousness. And we even sing a song that, that tells us our hope is Jesus, it's in Jesus. So you try to share your hope how you feel. That even in the midst of your tribulation and turmoil, it's okay because I have a hope in Jesus. In fact, my hope is Jesus. It'll be okay. All things work together for good that love him. You might not be able to see it. I know it looks like my life's spiralling out of control, but he's got it. He's my hope. And maybe it's just the, the conversations I have. Well, he's never helped me. Where was he when I was going through that stuff? When I needed hope, where was this God of yours? Yeah? But love. Love's di- see, love's different. See, this is why, this is why love's the greatest. It's, it's the tool that Papa uses to draw people. And so I want to suggest it's the tool that you and I should be using to draw people. Because it's the greatest tool in a toolbox. You know, why are we fishing for anything else? Now, you've got to stay with me here. One of the other reasons that that love is the greatest is because love, real love, true love, it never fails. Yeah? So 1 Corinthians 13.8 says, Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be still. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. But at the beginning of the verse, love never fails. So love, I want to suggest that love's the core, yeah, the core of our Christianity. It's the essence of our, of our faith and our belief. It's the essence. Now, the word fail and fails there is the Greek word pipto. Pipto is a root word, yeah? It's, the root, it's just a root word. So when you're looking at this passage in proper context, the Greek word's actually ekpiptai. Now, I'll break it down for you. It means to perish. Ekpiptai means to perish, to come to an end, to disappear, to cease. So when the scripture says that love never fails, what it's actually saying that love never perishes. Love never ceases. Love never disappears. Yeah? 
Love never comes to an end. Never comes to an end. Amen. That's why it can't fail, because it never goes away. Keep that as a thought, because some of us have lived life for a short time, others for a shorter time, and others for a slightly longer than me time, yeah? Love never goes away. It's always there. It never just vanishes. See, God's love, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all of them are three in one. God uses Jesus to draw us back to himself. Jesus never vanishes. Jesus never perishes. Jesus never fails. Jesus never ceases. Jesus never just disappears. Yeah? That's why love is the greatest, because God is love. And he uses love to draw us to himself. You know, I, I love the beauty in Papa's master plan. Because you and I, if we really understand our calling when we come to faith, we get to be love. You and I get to be love. Love is the thing that draws men and women to God. God is love. We get to be love. Yeah? Walk with me here. So we get to be the greatest tool that daddy has in his toolbox. Like the best tool. So the person on the left side of you that you're thinking, never, not possible, not them. No, sorry, they're the greatest tool in the toolbox. The person on your right, I agree with you totally. No, no, no. They are the greatest we are the greatest tools in his toolbox. See, people will see and catch his love when they see it and catch it from us. And when they see it and catch it from us, then love does what love does and love draws men and women to himself. It draws people back to Jesus. It brings them to that place of exchange. Yeah. And when people see and catch his love through us and from us, it becomes real. It becomes something they can't deny like they can faith and hope. But love's different. See, real love, true love, his love can't be denied. See, we're called to love. Ephesians 5 verse 1, yeah? Let me just, let me put some, some validity, some theology to, to what I'm suggesting. Ephesians 5, 1, 2 says, imitate God. Imitate God. Imitate God. You could just take that, put some brackets around it. Go! Imitate God. See you, bye. Have a great lunch. That's the end. Imitate God. And then it goes on to say, therefore, in everything you do, in everything you do, in every place that you go, in every thought that you have, in every job place that you enter, in every school that you happen to pass by, in everything you do, because you are his children, live a life filled with love. God is love. He uses love to draw men and women to himself. He's just asked us to mimic him, to imitate him. And now in everything you do, live a life with that love. 
Man, if that's not an awesome, great calling, I don't know what is. I have to be careful how I say the next thing. We're not called just to dig wells and give water. We're not called to evangelise in, in the local street corner. We're not called to go overseas and proclaim the gospel standing on a milk crate. What we are called to do and to be is to imitate God and be love. In love, we will dig those wells. In love, we will evangelise. In love, we do those things because it is only love that draws men and women to himself. Why aren't our, evangel our uh, uh, evangelism projects or, or, or things that we're doing, why aren't they working well? Is it just a project? Is it a theory? Is it something that we've put together? Is it a plan? Is there any love involved? Because love draws men and women to himself. So imitate God in everything. He is love. Imitate him. So live our lives full of love. Over and over and over again, we're told to love and to be love. And, and that's why some of the stuff that we've, we've been unpacking over the last couple of years and even emphasised again this weekend with Peter was John 13, 34. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you, you should love one another. So Father God it even goes as far as to tell us how to love. Okay, listen, just in case, boys and girls, you haven't quite understood that I use love to draw men and women. In the off chance, you haven't captured that I am actually love and I want you to imitate me and in everything you do, I want you to live a life that's filled with love. Just in case, just, just in case you've missed that, let me give you some instruction and here's a new command to make it easier for you. Love each other just as I've loved you. Okay, you got it. Thanks very much. Now you can go. Go and imitate me. We are to love, show love, be love in the same way that he loved us. It changes how we live life with one another. It changes how we live life with those that are around us. It changes how we react when stuff is happening in our life and the turmoil seems to be just catastrophic. What a privilege we have as his children. See, love's the tool that Papa uses to draw men and women to himself. And then he, then he says, now go and do it the way that I did it. Be love. Go. Father God is love. We know through Scripture that he places and he was pleased to put all of himself in Jesus. Yeah? I love how when you look at Scripture, there's so many things that sort of it's a layer on top of layer on top of layer on top of layer. So God is love. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, all three of them are one. And yet God was pleased to place his fullness in his Son. God is love. Jesus is part of God. Jesus is love. Jesus is God. So he's placed love in love. It's like a double portion. How confusing is that? I couldn't even repeat it again. That's how much love there is. It's like that commercial of the packet of Tim Tams that never ends. His love is like that, but greater. Amen. It could be. He places all of himself in Jesus. So the minute we say yes to Jesus, 
We have Jesus through his Holy Spirit living inside of us. So we have the fullness of God and God is love placed inside his son who is love living inside of us. And now he says, go and imitate us. Love each other as I've loved you. The reason that we struggle in church life, the reason that we struggle in life is because we try to love out of here, not love out of what's inside here. Yeah? I love the fact that he asks us to mimic him, to imitate him. See, as we love as he loved, those around us find love. They find God. They find him. Love's the very thing that draws men and women to himself. And when we're loving people, faith will become sight. Hope will become realized. But the greatest of these is love. Yeah? Did you get that? When we're loving the way that he loved, faith, faith becomes sight. Hope becomes realised because we're loving with his love. And that love draws men and women to himself. That's why it makes sense when you read further on in John 13 in verse 35, by this everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another because love's the key. And when we're loving like that, then faith really has sight and hope is realised and now I know what you're talking about. Now I know this God that you've been just blabbing about for so long because I can see the love, i felt the love, I've experienced the love that you've allowed to pour out from yourself. It draws them. It's the love that draws them. Nothing else. Not theology. Theology doesn't draw people. There's more arguments around the world today about what's printed in this book than anything else. Man, stick with the black and white. Jesus came, he died, he rose again. Leave the areas of grey and ask Jesus when you get home to heaven. But don't argue with your brothers and sisters. That's not love. We've got such a responsibility. And at the same time, what an honour that he would say, hey, you know what? I'm love and I'm going to use love to draw men and women. So I'm going to send my son and now I'm going to put that inside of you and I want you to go out there and be me. 1 John 4.11 says, Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love God. Verse 12. No one, a couple of people, no one, there's a handful down the road, no one, what's, what's the Greek word for no one? It's no one, whatever it is, it, it means no one. No one has ever seen God, but, 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 God's got the best but in the world. But if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. Some versions say completed in us. But when there's an expression, it's something that you see. I can tell how you're feeling often by the expression on your face. I know whether you like food because of your expression. So his love is made complete. It comes to full expression within us. No one has seen God but if we love each other. Man, not only are we now being God, imitating God, 
we're only doing it to the best of our ability. He then says, by the way, I'm going to bring it to completion inside of you. It's going to be so cool, a full expression. Everyone will see it. And then they'll be able to say, I have seen God through you, Catherine. I've seen God through you, Lynn, and I've seen God because the full expression of his love is now inside you because you're loving one another. Man, this is really good stuff because if we can get this, can you imagine the church of Jesus Christ across Ballarat, Victoria, Australia? That's why I was stoked that we had pastors with us, not so I can indoctrinate them, not so they can hear in the hope that they'll learn what I believe but so that together we can be united because where there's unity, God commands the blessing and then we can love as a, as a family. How do people see God? They see him in us and through us when we love each other. Wow, how has the church failed over the centuries? But we're here to redeem it with his help or he to redeem it for him with our help, however you want to put it. We are his hands and his feet extended. He's not coming in bodily form. Yeah, He's using you and me, us, you and I, if you prefer. It's the best kept evangelism secret in the world. If people could learn to love, we would see our churches full. People could learn to love like this, yeah? We would see more Christians on council and in government. If we could learn to love like this, it wouldn't be about being God's moral judge and pointing to people saying, this is where you're living wrong. This is where your behaviour is not right. If we were living and loving the way God loved us, people would feel like they belong. They would feel safe and secure in that place. They would begin to believe everything that they hear from the Father, and that would change their behaviour. Yeah. Believe it or not, we would empty prisons through his love, being loved, loving like he loved. People would be out of work. What would all the prison officers do? Sorry, Fiona. Sorry, Justin. A couple of people in our church that have that as a vocation. We don't need you anymore. Church has cleaned up its act. It's learned to imitate Jesus. See, we become more and more like Jesus the more we imitate him and love as he loved. And that love draws men and women to himself. And then we go because his love then is made complete because it comes to full expression. We go from a level of glory to a level of glory, from a place of strength to a place of strength, yeah? Because it's a constant journey. We never arrive. We can't box God, yeah? God has no beginning, has no end. We have his fullness. Can you measure fullness? I can't measure fullness. So when I think I have his fullness, I know there's still more to come. Again, back to that packet of Tim Tams <laughs> that never ends. If we can see and understand this wonderful privilege and plan of Father's God, Father God, you know, Hosea 11.4, it just says, I led them with the cords of human kindness, with ties of love. He led them, he leads us, he draws us, 
through human kindness. He uses us. I just wanted to show you that passage of Scripture, again in the Old Testament, but so that the old and the new marry together to show you that he uses us. Yeah? And when we can release that love, he brings it to full expression. I mean, when you think about it, he led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. Now, this is my terrible sense of humour, but I think of walking my dog, you know. He walks with me every once in a while. I sort of like, come on, man, over here, let's go. You know, like, no one else thinks that. But when I, sometimes when I'm thinking about this, I think, you know, God just uses that. He uses human kindness. And you know, sometimes when you're sharing your faith, people, do you ever, sometimes you know when someone's resisting. Sometimes you know within yourself when there's, when there's an inner battle. But if there was love involved, if someone was loving the way that God loved, it's like that lead on my puppy that sort of just pulls you back into line, you know? It's like, man, why am I... I shouldn't be thinking like that. That was so nice of them to do that. It, those words were at the right time, you know? It's like a little pull on a string just to, to get you back in line. Do, do, do you understand what I'm trying to say? I know it's not the best analogy, but I had a laugh and I enjoyed it, so I'm sharing it anyway, you know? His plan was always to bring us back into right relationship in family with each other, with those across the denominations, yeah? And then to use us, family, to draw others back to himself. So now what? What do we do from here besides going to lunch? Now we love. Now we love as he loved us. Now we love each other even when we disagree. Because while we were sinners, he still died for us. And here's a, a challenge for us all. Romans 12. Romans 12 verse 9. The NLT version says, Don't just pretend to love others. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Verse 10 goes on to say, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honouring each other. Some of us need to change the way that we love people. Some of us need to change the way we have loved people. Don't just pretend. See, Love never fails. Love never disappears. Love never perishes. Love never ceases. Love doesn't end. So why don't we stand, close our eyes, if that's okay. Maybe close your eyes after you stand. I'd hate for anybody to fall. And I just want you to picture a couple of things. God uses love to draw people home. And this love that he uses is himself. It never perishes, never ceases, never ends. He then asks you and me to imitate him, to mimic him. For us to love each other exactly as he has loved us. So what needs to change? 
If his love draws people, if we are his hands and his feet extended, if people aren't discovering him, if faith isn't becoming sight, if hope isn't being realised, then what do we as individuals, you and I, what do we need to do for those around us to see, feel and catch this love? So, Georgia, can I get you to play? Is that all right on the guitar? I want to pray. And I'm going to say this. If you need to go out to the lunch now, you can go out to the lunch. But I want to release a fresh impartation of God's love into those that would like prayer. I want to release a fresh revelation so that you can truly imitate God, so that you can mimic him, so that you can see yourself the way that he sees you, so that when he says that his unfailing love draws men and women, that is inside of you. And then he asks you to love in the same way he loved you. Now, if some of those questions you're thinking, wow, that's, that's not me, that hasn't happened with me or through me. It needs to, but it hasn't. I don't know why, I don't know what's changed. I'm just going to open the altar and then I'm just going to pray with you. And if that's you and you'd like prayer, then as Georgia plays and just leads us in a little bit of music, then please feel free to come forward. But also feel free to go and have a coffee and tea and grab some lunch. But if that's you today, the altar's open.